I'm J.R. Hudo, and I'm the writer and co-creator of a new graphic novel called That Distant Fire. You can find out more information about it at go.blackeye.ca slash fire. And you are watching Two Geeks Talking. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. Two Geeks Talking is an entertainment industry interview show where we interview the creative people from the comic, film, TV, movie, and video game industries. And of course, I'm your host, Kurt Sasso. Welcome to Rapid Fire. The concept of Rapid Fire is simple. 11 questions, 9 to 15 minutes for the interview itself. And we get to talk with creative and talented people in the entertainment industry. So who do we have as our first guest today? We are joined today by the writer and co-creator of a very amazing comic, which will have a crowdfunding campaign, which I will let him describe very shortly. We are joined today by J.R. Huto, creator, co-creator, I should say, of That Distance Fire. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, nice having you on the show. So for those that don't know anything about you, tell us who you are and what your project is all about. Thank you. I'm J.R. Huto, and I'm, as you said, the writer and co-creator of a new graphic novel called That Distant Fire from Black Eye Books. It's the story of a young couple that are on the cusp of inventing a breakthrough medical advancement they hope will help their community. You know, they're very altruistic. Unfortunately, they're navigating a time of violent social unrest. I used to think that this story took place 15 years from now, maybe a little bit further. It feels sooner every day in some ways. And fortunately, I think that there are a lot of things that are very hopeful about the story, a lot of things that are... Uh, frightening as a parent and challenging from the standpoint of our communities. What is your creative kryptonite? Marketing myself. By profession, I'm a marketer in entertainment marketing. I work on trailers, key art, things like that. I have a lot of enjoyment in that world. Really very much enjoy trailers, things like that. But speaking about myself, promoting myself, promoting the work that, that I'm doing or collaborating on is definitely my creative kryptonite. What is the most misunderstood aspect about being a marketer for the entertainment industry? Whew, that's a good one. Honestly, I think that what I'd say a trailer is supposed to do, from my perspective, is be authentic to the work, but also be aspirational. So it's, it's essentially a successful trailer or successful poster is what the content, what the film or series wants to be. What, what the best version of it is. And that's not to say that it's a lie, you know, or any of those kinds of things. It's not misrepresentation because a good trailer will show you what the thing wants to be. So for instance, for me, one of my touchstone trailers, Zack Snyder Man of Steel trailer. It's fantastic because I feel like it really gets to the heart of who Superman is, what this film could be, the sense of hope and discovery, the sense of pain at being an outsider, the beauty of the cinematography in the world as it's showing you these things. Arguably, you know, some, some people uh, watching this might feel like it wasn't accurate to the film, right? Um, we, could, we could debate that. But I think that most importantly to me, what it's doing is it's showing you in that aspirational nature, what the thing intends to be consistently. When you look at like the YouTube comments and things like that, one of two things happens. Either it's they showed too much or they didn't show enough. Or are we sure that this is really what it's going to be? Is it, mis is it misleading? Marketing and entertainment really should be, for me, as far as I'm concerned, authentic to the story itself, because it should show whether or not 
you're interested in watching it. I feel that a lot of trailers these days give away too much. They do. I think that part of that is a lack of trust and feeling as though you need to oversell, that you need to really be ex really explicit, showing off the goods, right? You know, like, what, what am I, am I going to be entertained? Is it going to be, are there enough explosions or enough, you know, do they do the storyline that I want from that one comic run, especially like in superhero movies and things like that. And, and I think it's tough because ultimately these days I personally find, and, and again, a lot of the stuff is always like, all right, do I only feel this way because I work in the industry? More and more, I just really rely on teasers and like that, those first looks, because some of that, you know, you look back at some of the lasting trailers that people really go back to, especially like the fans. That initial teaser for the Batman was spectacular. It's like everything you wanted and it didn't show much. And then like, as you see more and more and more, people start to get nervous. Now, of course, you know, I'm fortunate. I really enjoyed that movie, but I do think that like that, that's the risk you run. A successful campaign really should be about leaving space for people to want more. And you have to trust that the thing you've made is something that they want more of. What is the second wisest piece of advice that has stuck with you in your creative career? Like the first best is like, well, of course, they, this is my parents taught me or this is this. Um, but the second best, it, it was like a lot of second bests in, in my life and thinking about that. For me, it's collaboration is king. I learned that lesson early on. I was given that piece of advice early on in my, in my career um, in the film industry. What it unlocked for me is the kind of creative I'm interested in personally, whether it's films or comics, et cetera especially as a writer, first and foremost, it takes more than me to do anything. <laughs> I'm only one component and realizing that every project I'm going to be part of is both my project and their project, like the rest of the team or whomever. And most importantly, our project, you want everyone to be invested in this thing that we're all collaborating on to make together. So whatever your role is, you are not above or below. There can be hierarchies and in the sense that there's producers and directors of this and that and the other. But ultimately, if everyone comes out feeling like they've contributed their best work and there was space given to give input to get there and that they were empowered to do those things, um, that everybody feels it's a collective process. For me personally, that's led to all of the best work of my career, all of the things that I'm most proud of. Maybe I'm convincing myself it's actually the best advice I've ever get, gotten, but um, it, it was it was what I thought of. Then speaking of collaboration, I have to ask, who is the team that is working with you on this project? Is it, like we mentioned earlier, you are the co-creator and, and the writer of this, but who else is in your team and or what do they bring to yourself as a creative individual? Kurt Mil Merlo um, is the illustrator and he's fantastic. I mean, he's my partner in crime for sure. The best aspect of our relationship, originally the, the, the script you know, was expressly for a film. And I started to transition as love comics. I thought this was a great opportunity because it's has sci-fi elements. It has things that no independent budget, which is typically my background in terms of my own making rather than my marketing work is all very small budget work, but it gives the opportunity to do things on a grander scale. But with that idea of, of collaboration, it's like, look, I have the, the start of this thing, but it's not all of it. Let's work together to explore what it could be. It's funny that some of the ways we talk about it, I provide some level of art direction. We can talk through what I might think of as the staging, like where people are standing in a scene and their relationship to each other and what that might imply, my two cents on it. And for the, the reverse, Kurt 
edits, edits all my writing. It's a, it's a five chapter graphic novel. It's about 150 pages. The fifth and final chapter was very long. It was in writing, it was 40 pages. And we knew that there's no, no way we were going to do 40 pages on a final chapter, you know, working together over, over a couple months, he really provided the editing and, and, and the suggestions about being like, I think that these, this should be the focus and these kinds of things. And so I think that kind of collaborative process where we both have our expertise, but we also both have insight into each other's process that really just elevates any of the work that I think we do. So I think combined, like my writing's better for having him. I hope that he feels similarly at times about, you know, the amazing artwork that he makes, um, you know, with, with my input. And I think that like, that's the, really the thing. And, and then obviously you have somebody support you, you know, like Michelle at, at Black Eye Books. It's really wonderful because that it feels like a very big community and you can get that kind of support from other artists um, you know, other, other comics makers, et cetera, to give you feedback, to give you support, to catch you, right. And say like, oh, have you thought of this, right. Have you considered that? Right. So it's very easy to stay humble when you know how little, you know, and hearing from other people, um, their lived experiences and how that could impact or their advice is just stay open. If you stay open, good things will happen. In my experience, that, that ability to stay open keeps you receptive to the best ideas because they can come from anywhere. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power? Oh my goodness. Uh, my dad reading The Hobbit. I can't remember how old I was, probably six or seven. You know, he did all the voices, you know, particularly Gollum and, and all these things. And he, and he sang the songs and didn't, not to say that they were the songs the way that they were supposed <laughs> to be sung or something like that, but, you know, he invented all these things and read me a chapter or two, you know, every night before, before going to bed. And I realized like, that's a whole world that's just words. You know, I didn't need anything more than that. Anything more than this person, you know, who obviously I have a personal attachment to, but like creating this thing in collaboration with the author, right? Because that's the other piece of it. It's like, I didn't read that book for the first time. It was, it was read to me. Um, and so it was interpreted that added a layer. And so as I grew up, I kind of began to understand, you know, that there wasn't necessarily one experience at The Hobbit Everybody had their own experience of The Hobbit, even though it's the same book. Um, and I think that that really invigorated me and really connected me uh, life as, as to want to be a storyteller. I'm lucky. Both my parents are artists. They're both mm. painters. It was very safe for me to bring stuff to them, like any kind of thing. I mean, maybe that's why I ended up playing D&D at fourth and fourth grade, because they're like, we're not worried about you, kid. Um, <laughs> if this is your idea of revolt, like we're all for it. <laughs> you know? And so I think like that was that was really exciting, too, because I knew that I could bring Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And that's like before... I mean, I loved the cartoon. I was like the right age for the cartoon. I was probably too young for the comic, and yet I was still reading it. But obviously, like engaging with them about it too, and, and talking about like the art process and, and those kinds of things. So yeah, it was cool. I was lucky. Lucky kid. Everyone has one person that inspired them on their path to where they are today. Who was that for you? Well, besides my parents, Bill Sienkiewicz, 84, right? So I think I was six years old when the Claremont run with the mutants started. I have an older brother who's into comics. My dad was into comics. You know, my mom entered into comics through, through that relationship as well. I had access to all of that stuff that was happening at that moment, like, you know, TMNT or, or other things, but that new mutants run just blew my mind because before that, you know, I'd seen like my, my brother's super into silver surfers, a lot of that Kirby stuff that was amazing. But also like, and I love John Byrne. John Byrne was like the best to me, like was the best version of a 
what a comic book was. And then I saw Sienkiewicz's work and it just blew the top of my head off. And because I was like, oh, th- it can be both things. It can be this thing that looks like John Byrne. And it could be this thing that, you know, that doesn't look like anything else. So it really freed me up to think about what a page looks like, what a story looks like, the interiority of it, you know, thinking about like the Demon Bear saga and like what that villain is versus like a traditional comic villain. Or, and I think that like that relationship, so many people would probably, of, of, you know, my age would probably answer similarly with that, you know, um, that particular run. But like there's a few things of that period that I revisit a lot. Sienkiewicz's work is definitely like, the one that I, that's a well that I go back to all the time because I just, it just refreshes me to think about don't get stodgy in your approach and that literally anything's possible in this medium. From a professional standpoint, you are working in the entertainment industry. You are also a comic writer and co-creator of an amazing series with that distant fire. And you, I'm sure you're going to create many more works, hopefully in comic form in the future. So professionally you are successful in that regard. Plus you'll have a, crowdfunding campaign, which you'll talk about at the end of the show as well, too. So, you know, we'll definitely have you promote that as well, too. But do you consider yourself personally successful? That's tough. Um, I think that, you know, for me, there are days where I feel very successful, both personally and professionally. There are days when I don't. I always thought there'd be a moment where I'd suddenly be like, this is it. I did it. I'm at the mountaintop or, you know, whatever. And what I found for myself is that like overall what success looks like to me specifically is finding the next thing that I'm working on. Right. And then the next thing that I'm working, the next area of focus, the next thing I need to learn, um, the next thing I can become (laughs) reasonably confident at, you know, and, and so it's like, Oh, I'm really good at parenting a five-year-old. Like I, I nailed it. I'm like, I'm on top of it. Like I know, you know, I know, like all these things where we're doing all these things. Well, now he's six. <laughs> right now I've got to figure out how to be a parent of a six-year-old. And that's like a totally different thing than being a parent of a five-year-old. And I feel like it's the same thing, you know, in terms of, um, you know, I've made film. I'm now I'm making a comic with Kurt. I'm super excited. Like right now, the thing that I'm most excited about, to be honest with that distant fire is like, I really love it. And it, that's, that's the thing that makes you feel successful is the idea that like, as an artist of any kind, that you still like the thing when it's done, right? That you're not over it, that you don't feel like, you know, so much of the work that I've, that I've done in my life, by the time I finish it, or by, you know, by a few months later, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Eh, this next thing, the next thing is what I was going to be exciting. You know, my favorite quote from Greg LeMond, he's a, a cyclist from the 80s and 90s. I think he was the first American to win the Tour de France. I can't remember. He said, it doesn't get easier. You just go faster. (laughs) That that to me is like, that's success. It's not getting easier. Those things don't. There isn't a moment where you're like, ah, you know, maybe maybe it's a dinner where you're like, I did it. We did it. Um, But then you quickly move on to think about what's the next thing you can do and, and then look back to see Are you satisfied with the thing you just did? The reverse of success is failure. How do you deal with your failure? Keeping it in perspective, I think that for me, real failure is letting somebody down or unintentionally hurting someone or interpersonal failures are the things that keep me awake at night. I think that with projects, whether they're a personal creative project, professional creative project, you have to fail. If you're not regularly failing, you're not taking big enough risks, creative risks. So to me, it's basically just like, look, failure is a draft. 
That's it. Rewrite it. Do it again. Move on. It could be moving on to the next project. It doesn't always mean that you're, you might not unlock a specific project, that specific project you might have to move on from. But if you stayed open to truly look at like, what led me to this point? What could I have done differently? How do I speak to the rest of the team that I'm working with for feedback to, so I can grow? That's really necessary. And the next time you do it, you know, the next project, you're going to be so much better. Failure breeds success. The younger generation is looking at your work and they're becoming inspired to be creative in their own way, whether it's in comics or film or anything along that line. And the fact that you have the younger generation with you, I'm sure they're going to be creative in some way, shape or form, much as you were when you were growing up. How can they inspire the generation that follows them? Be brave and be kind and never lose hope. That'd be what I'd say. The dad wisdom, I guess. I, I just think that Pandemic has been a difficult time for everyone. And I think that it can put you in a state of mind that, you know, there's, there's a lot of negative things. And I think we also have to focus on positive things. They go in hand to hand. And so by being brave and not giving in and not losing out and, and, and saying and, and maintaining a perspective of hope keeps you engaged in all the ways that you can not only help other people, but you can help yourself, right? And whether that's something as simple as saying like, every day I'm gonna set aside an hour to draw because I wanna be an illustrator, or every day I'm gonna set aside a time to do some writing, or every day I'm gonna set aside some time to be with my family or whatever it is, I, I think that um, stay engaged. Well, I do hate to say this here, uh, JR, but that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. I wanna thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was really wonderful. Thank you for having me. Where can we find you and how can we support, of course, That Distance Fire? And when is the campaign starting? I should have asked that earlier. The campaign begins uh, June 14th, so just a short ways from now. Um, and you can go to go.blackeye.ca slash fire, and you can sign up um, to be notified when the campaign goes live. There will also be some discounts and other information in there um, that, that you'll be getting. And when you do sign up, it'll also kick you automatically over to check out the book itself. The good news is you can read the vast majority of it already. So you'll know whether or not you like it before you back it, I hope. And we're also publishing over it um, on Instagram at That Distant Fire. And you can also find us at thatdistantfire.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jay. I greatly appreciate it. So appreciate it. Thanks for uh, having me. I want to thank you for taking the time to be on this interview of Two Geeks Talking Rapid Fire. You can find this interview and a thousand plus others on our website, twogeekstalking.com or tgtmedia.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash tgtmedia. And as I say every week, everyone has a story to tell. It's up to me to help bring that out. Thanks for listening, watching on Two Geeks Talking.